This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland and this is The Leader. No golden carriage to take the Queen to Parliament this time. A Land Rover swept her towards the House of Lords. Inside, she entered the chamber with Prince Charles for her first major engagement without her husband, Prince Philip. My Lords, pray be seated. Charles, the Lords, MPs and the Parliament staff wore masks. The Queen did not, but nor did she have on her ceremonial robes. A simpler outfit was deemed more Covid-appropriate. The pandemic, of course, is overshadowing everything in this state opening of Parliament, including the contents of the Queen's speech. My Lords and Members of the House of Commons, my government's priority is to deliver a national recovery from the pandemic that makes the United Kingdom stronger, healthier and more prosperous than before. And there was a lot more to come. With me to bring it all down is the evening standard Jack Kessler. So, Jack, how are we going to level up the country then? Well, one way they don't seem to be doing it, or at least not yet, is with a plan on social care reform. This was something that was that the Prime Minister promised to that he would deliver in his 2019 uh, address um, when he became Prime Minister on, on the steps of Downing Street. But there's beyond a passing mention, not very much in it. And it's just strange because, you know, it's, it, this is going to something that's going to affect every single one of us. And, you know, I'm old enough to remember Andrew Dilnot's 2011 reform recommendations, which even now still seem to be the most likely blueprint for reform, but we don't seem to be any closer to, to making it happen. Yeah, that is one of the things that, that seems to be quite quite an omission from here but then we do have things such as the the voter id and having to provide photographic uh, id in there that they're going ahead with that but not with some of the things that you might have expected to be in there yeah i mean so there were 29 bills in in the speech but in some ways it was quite a, a light queen speech particularly in the context of the moment we're in and the political terrain so boris johnson has a majority of 80 that's the biggest majority any party has enjoyed since 2001. It's the biggest Conservative Party majority since 1987. And you do have to wonder what the Tories are actually planning on doing with it. And there's somewhat of a a gap between their exceptionally successful political strategy, winning the Hartlepool by-election, council seats uh, in England, um, set aside against their governing strategy or, or agenda, which is which is rather thin. And you compare that with the Cameron Osborne years where, you know, they were obviously operating for most of the time uh, in a coalition with the Liberal Democrats who were ideologically more aligned with the Labour Party at the time. But of course, they um, made numerous, really quite substantial reforms. And it doesn't seem like this, this manifestation of conservative government 
has that same level of ambition or focus. But is that maybe because the pandemic has kind of overshadowed everything and it's may perhaps curtailed some ambitions for them? Oh, it's certainly um, swallowed up all manner of bandwidth in the civil service, as of course has Brexit and Brexit and will continue to do. But they've, they, I mean, they they found time to do other stuff, like we talked about voter ID. They found time to um, attempt to repeal the um, Fixed Term Parliament Act, um, which so hobbled Boris Johnson uh, at the end of 2019. So, I mean, government governments find the time um, to to get their priorities uh, done. Do you think London is a priority? No, and I and I wouldn't just look at this Queen's speech. You would consider the past few weeks, months, uh, and years. It's it's strange that Boris Johnson, who largely is Prime Minister, not just on the back of um, winning the the Brexit referendum, but also having been Mayor of London for two terms, um, and he's sort of like that that cool kid who is only nice to. This other kid, when when it's the two of them together, but when he's surrounded by his other mates, he's making fun of us like 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 everyone else. Uh, I, I, I sometimes I feel like we as a city were used, and now he's he's gone off and made friends friends with with Hartlepool and Blythe and other parts of the country. Yeah, is he shoring up support then in those uh, formerly red wall areas? Does it look like that's the kind of strategy that he's aiming for here? It's certainly the plan, and and I wonder the extent to which. You know, in order to keep those seats blue at the next uh, general election, how much they have to do? Does there need to be serious delivery, or, uh, you know, as we set out in our, our leader column this morning, is it simply enough to, you know, deliver a, a few pots of money, um, talk about cultural issues, explain how you got Brexit done, and that's that'll be enough? The balance of uh, the elections last week suggests that it might be, but of course, a lot can change. In a few years. There has to be an element of risk there, though, when you've got big political characters like Sadiq Khan in London, Andy Burnham in Manchester, those Labour mayors, neither of whom I'm sure would admit to having Westminster ambitions, but it seems likely that they might and they could come back and maybe take some votes from the Conservatives. Yeah, I, I mean, it's obviously we are with the Evening Standard, and, and so London is in many ways our priority. But this is also about cities versus towns and, and rural areas. But, it's, but specifically on London, I mean, we have 73 parliamentary constituencies. So I, I don't think London and, and the Conservative Party should be strangers. Uh, it certainly doesn't make any much sense for the electoral prospects. And when you look at how um, Sean Bailey um, beat the odds, he certainly beat expectations in the uh, mayoral election. It does suggest that if the Conservative Party took London... Uh, a little more seriously, that they could be um, competitive here too. But it's certainly the case that, you know, uh, beyond Keir Starmer's somewhat catastrophic weekend, Labour had a very good Saturday and Sunday in terms of picking up, what was it, 10 of the 12 mayoral uh, races or something like that. And Jack, as a, a political expert, as somebody who enjoys politics, having heard the contents of the Queen's speech, are you looking forward to this parliament? I think what we're still getting used to in British politics, um, and it's it's been somewhat suspended in animation because of the pandemic, is we are in a place we've not been for um, more than 10 years, which is a government with a big majority and therefore, you know, 
theoretically can get done whatever it wants to get done. We don't have a coalition. We don't have a narrow majority. We don't have uh, a hung parliament. And so, I mean, if you are a conservative, I think it's definitely a time to be excited and a time to, to get things done because 80 seat majorities uh, don't last forever. But in terms of people who enjoy going on parliament TV and watching uh, governments without majorities try and pass huge bills like withdrawal agreements or whether or not to stay in a customs union or not, it's probably less exciting. And that's the leader. There's more on this in the newspaper and at standard.co.uk. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Please hit the follow button to make sure you don't miss an episode. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.